All right. Well, I thank you for having us here this morning. Uh, today's message is called, Is Thy Strength Small? And this will be kind of based around the verse Proverbs, or in Proverbs 24, in uh, verse 10, says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. And looking up, one of the definitions of adversity means unfavorable fortune or fate, a condition marked by its misfortune, calamity, or distress. And as we talked about in this morning's Sunday school, let's be clear on one thing. The Bible does not tell us that we won't have trials and tribulations. In John 16, 33, says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house uh, this morning, to fellowship uh, with you, Lord, to worship you. Lord, I pray that uh, you'll be with this message, that you give me the words to speak that are your words, Lord, not my words. You'll, you'll direct this message that doesn't fall on deaf ears. You'll be with our prayer list that we lifted up to you this morning, Lord, that you'll touch each one of those uh, as you see fit. You guide and direct this church in the decisions that it needs to make that's based on your will and not our will, Lord. You keep Brother Steve safe as he travels back. And you just continue to bless this church as you have, Lord. Above all, Lord, pray that no one leaves here today without knowing you as their Savior, their protector, their comfort. We just thank you for your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let me tell you a little bit about uh, our mission. Um, in 2016... God called me to preach the gospel. And at first it was a quiet voice, which I'll say I ignored. A couple weeks later, that call came again. And I thought, well, maybe my mind's playing tricks on me because I'm not a preacher. One day I was traveling to work and I was going from Texas to Oklahoma. And the call was so loud, so distracting, I was arguing with God. If you can imagine me in my vehicle driving by myself, I'm arguing back and forth with God. I probably looked kind of like a crazy man as people were driving by me. And I'm arguing with God about preaching the gospel. I said, no, no, not me, God. You got the wrong guy. I'm not qualified. I don't have a theology degree. I don't have a master's of divinity degree. I'm not a good speaker. I don't know the Bible well enough. I'm not the guy. Well, after arguing with God for about 10, 20, 30 minutes, it seemed like an eternity, I pulled over, got a hold of my pastor and said, God just called me to preach. He said, good, you're preaching Sunday. <laughs> now you talk about being out of your comfort zone. You know, I say that I was called to preach, but as, you t- as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, we're all called to preach the gospel. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a pulpit to stand behind or that you're going to be a pastor of a church somewhere, but as a child of God, you're called to preach the gospel. Period. We're called. And after I argue with him, I answer that call. A little bit about our mission. Our mission is to support struggling churches or churches in need. So when you think about a church of this size or an independent Baptist church in general these days, there's a congregation normally less than 20 people, if we're lucky. And you think about the messages that a church, or a church pastor has to do. He typically has to do Sunday school, the Sunday morning message, the Sunday evening message, the Wednesday message. He has visitation. He has a prayer list. He has to study. And I don't know about him, but it takes me a few hours to prepare a message as God laid on my heart and write it down. So you add all those hours up in a day. And then if you've got somebody sick, you've got somebody who's missing, somebody that he needs to follow up, it's a full-time job to be a pastor. 
Now you think about 20 people, and let's say those 20 people are tithing faithfully. 20 people is not typically enough to pay the building, to pay the lights bill, to pay the power, the electricity, the water, the things that keep the church building open, and to pay a salary for a pastor. And your missionaries. Amen. And on top of that, he's got to eat. He's got benefits. He's got things he's got to take care of. His wife has got to go to the hospital and take care of her needs. So a pastor now has to work a full-time job. Between four and 6,000 churches are going to close their doors this year compared to 1,000 new startups. Now don't get me wrong, some of those churches should close their doors because they're not preaching the gospel. But some of those churches are churches just like this that are struggling. Not only do we come in and help support the church that doesn't have a pastor, but pastors are among some of the highest of being depressed because they don't have support or their church is breaking apart, or their members aren't showing up, and it's discouraging to pastor. They're among the highest, some of the highest. And the church pastors are dropping out faster than we can replace them. And the new ones are coming up or saying, hey, I need more money. Hey, I got this education. I need this. I can't go there. They're not going to where God's telling them to do, and that is to preach the gospel, and he'll take care of them. So part of our ministry is also to be that church support when a pastor needs vacation or he needs a sick time because... Look around. People aren't stepping up to fill the pulpit that he needs help filling or going on visitations and going on door knocking and passing out tracts and inviting your friends and family to come to church and saying, we have truth preached here. We're preaching the King James Bible. We're preaching his word at this building. You need to be saved. People need to hear the word of God. And small independent Baptist churches are slowly dwindling. And these big mega churches are getting people all over that are putting up the big screen TVs and playing the hoopla music and telling you how good you are. I would love nothing more to point out here and say how good we are. If we were good, we didn't need Jesus. Amen? If we could do it by ourselves, we didn't need Jesus. Amen? God recognized... We had problems and we needed help. And he sent us his son. That whosoever shall believe, it's just like your law says, shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I have that joy to tell somebody about it. So when God says go eat and preach and I argue with him, it wasn't an argument, it was go. And when I go to these places to preach and like, oh, well, let's see, we're looking for somebody that has a master's degree. And we're looking for some, look, I'm not asking permission to preach the gospel. God told me to go preach the gospel. Right? That's the same thing that we're supposed to be doing, folks. God said, go ye in the world and preach the gospel. Live your life, a godly life. Follow him. Take up your cross daily and walk after God. Walk after Jesus. Walk after the Lord. He gave us that example. He showed us. He told us. He teaches us if we'll just pay attention and listen. He'll show us. Studies show that between four and 6,000 churches will close their doors but as high as six to 10,000 churches are going to close their doors each year. That's one to 200 churches per week. Another mission I have is we have an online ministry where I put out, um, it's called My Daily Journey. I put out a journey every single day. I put out a daily devotional every day. Why? Because it keeps me reading the Bible. That's one reason. And I get into it every day. And I read it every day. But part of this, I go around to these places and I take these old church. I love taking old church pictures. You will not believe how many of them have had a for sale sign or closed. This is not a fake number. This is a real number. Our churches are struggling. Why? 
because we're not stepping up and preaching the gospel. The devil's working overtime, brother. The devil's working overtime. Pastors are among the highest in depressions. They're left out unappreciated. They're leaving the field. Pastors don't have the support full to do their full-time ministry. Let me tell you, this is a full-time job for a pastor because you have a need. If any one of you have ever come to your pastor and says, will you pray for me? It isn't, bless you, brother. I forgive you. Go on about your day like some of our other uh, uh, religious culprits will put out there. That's not what a pastor does. That pastor believes. He prays for you. He studies in the Word. He tries to give you a message. He heartaches over it. He supports you. If just one of you did that, now two of you have done that. Maybe half of you have done that. It's time that the pastor has devoted to tend to the flock that God's called him to tend to. They're leaving the field. They could be. They have to work full-time jobs just to make ends meet. So you have that full-time pastor ministry where he's praying for people. He's setting up things. He's doing spe- If you ever had specials, that takes time that he's doing up. When you had to paint this building, who was here? I almost bet your pastor was in this building painting. I'd bet your paycheck on it, brother. Not mine. I don't make that much, buddy. <laughs> but I would bet that he was in here taking care of those needs. Amen? That's what pastors do. So they need our support. When he needs to take a vacation, how does he get his vacation? Who steps up to preach? Who steps up to take care of the music? Who steps up to clean the building? Who steps up? It takes a church. And guess what? This building isn't the church, friends. We're the church. We have responsibilities to take care of our pastors who are trying to hold the flock together. Friends, as Christians, we have work to do. We are to invite our friends, our family, our neighbors. We're to door knock, to pass out tracts. We're to work at the church. We're to tithe faithfully. We're to give the missions. That's what spreading the gospel is about. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to stand at this pulpit and, and preach out of the Word of God. But you have a gospel to give, to share with the world. That's our command. That's what God tells us to do. Whether that is, I came in a vacuum, I'm giving to the church. I came in and cleaned up. I'm giving to the church. Brother, this morning you made coffee. You're giving to the church. That's what we are supposed to do as Christians. We're supposed to give ourselves. We're, we're supposed to sacrifice. God, this, I just read earlier, it's not to be easy. <laughs> Amen. 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 Here's another point. Put a check mark on this one. It's not an option. It's a commandment. He said, go ye into the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say, uh, you know, one or two of you, if you got time on your busy schedules, uh, would you mind going out there and telling somebody about me today? God doesn't tell us that. He said, go ye in the world and preach the gospel. Tell them about Jesus Christ. All over. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 7 says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, comma, but the laborers are few. Did I read the wrong one? Matthew 9, 37. 
Oh, I'm sorry. 37. 37. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Into the his harvest. It is his harvest. We are to go into his harvest as laborers, sacrificing our time, telling the world that they can be saved. If you are saved, David says, Restore unto me the joy of salvation. I should be telling somebody about this. I should be telling them about what Jesus Christ has done in my life. I should be telling them that they don't have to die a repentance death or a sinner's death, but they can repent and enjoy eternity with the Father. That's what we are to do. Something to be excited about. Most Most pastors don't do this. They don't want people to feel uncomfortable or out of place. But I have to ask you, do you have something to be excited about? If you are saved, you have something to be excited about. If you're not saved, I don't blame you for not being excited. Because the end of the Bible in, in, in Revelation says, if your name's not found written in the book of life, you will be cast into the lake of fire. I would not be excited to tell people that story. But there is a way. Tell them the right way. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have a story to tell. You have something to be excited about. Have we forgotten that joy of salvation? Look around. I, I, I say this. I, my wife probably heard this more times than she can count. I say this at almost every church I go to, struggling church. Run. Look around. If I have the joy of salvation, why are there 15, 20, 30 open chairs and pews at the churches? Where are the people? Where are the Christians? Where are the people that are saved by God that are preaching His Word? Where are they? They go. <laughs> they they gone. Where are they? It could be. It could be. Here's another one. You see me do this earlier. Can you raise your hand, step out of your comfort zone, and say amen? Or do we put on the Baptist face? Yep. I'm saved. That's what we do. We sit here. We, we cross our arms. We sit here. We may be given occasional amen. I'll tell you what. I'm guilty of it. My pastor's up there preaching away, and I'm kind of listening and thinking about it. And this is mine. I put my finger up here on my cheek and get that stare. I used to have an old HR lady. Not an old lady. An old HR lady. Let me clarify that. She says, oh, you think you're smarter than me, don't you? I said, no, I'm just, I, I just do that, right? That's what we do with Baptists. We sit here, we cross our arms, and we don't get charismatic. I'm not charismatic, but I got something to be excited about. Amen? Jesus Christ saved my soul from the pits of hell where I was headed, and I did nothing to deserve it. There ain't no better lottery ticket. There ain't no better lottery ticket. It's great. Glory to God, man. From that is what the start of this message is about. You will see that when God called me to preach, He didn't say, go to school, get a master's divinity degree in theology. He didn't say, take an understudy course. He didn't say, take a speech class. He didn't say, give everything away, sell all your belongings, become a pastor. He said, go ye in the world and preach the gospel. That's what He told me to do. And then I'll just go. That's what He told me to do. He didn't say, hold on, let me... I got OCD, so I like things very full planned out. Hence the music box. Hence my little list here, right? We were talking about OCD earlier today, right? I like things organized, draw it out, list how we're going to do it, list pre-plan. Poor Reagan's got blisters on her fingers because I made her practice last night. 
and she did real good. But he didn't say that. He didn't say draw out a detailed plan and let me tell you how step by step it's going to work. He said go in the world and preach the gospel and I'll support you. Amen. Turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 6. I'll see if I can get the verses right this time and not confuse us. I've been tongue twisted already this morning. Genesis chapter 6. Let me repeat that. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. And we're going to read all the way from verse 5 till verse 22. I want you to listen to these words. Verse 5 says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And listen to verse 6. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Can you imagine the Lord God, our Creator, that it grieved him that he made man? That ought to break our hearts. That ought to break our hearts that we have been such a disappointment in following the instructions that he's given us to do. That ought to break our hearts. And again, I'm not the pastor, and maybe he'll have to clean up some messes, and I apologize in advance if that's the case. Most pastors are, pastors are trying to hold the congregation. This is what the Word of God says. It grieved him that he made man. Verse 7, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both men and beasts and the creepy thing and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. But Noah, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just and, I've circled that and, he was a just and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth was, was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. Look around. Look around. Is this not the same story of where we're at today? The earth was corrupt and it was filled with violence and God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark that shall pitch it within and pitch or without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be three cubits, 300 cubits. Anybody know how big a cubit is? You always wondered? I'm a little taller than they were back then. But a cubit was essentially from the tip of your elbow to your finger here. It was between 18 and 21 inches long. Imagine 300. 300. Because God's perfect in His ways, right? God said, go and make this. Here is the design. Here is what I want you to make. He gave the exact details to one man and said, I want you to make this. I want you to make this room 300 cubits high. And then he said, I want to make the breadth 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. He taught him how to do the windows and the window thou shalt make to the ark. And in a cubit shall thou finish it above and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories. Three stories. 
shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is in, is in the earth shall die. But with thee I will establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy son wives with thee. And of every living thing, of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark, to keep them alive with thee. That shall be, listen to this, shall be what? Male and female. So if there's any confusion, I'm not confused. There should be male and female, of fowls of the earth of the kind, and of the cattle after their kind, and of every creepy thing of, the, of, of earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive, and take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee. So he's having to go out and gather all the food for all these different animals, two by two to feed them all, plus himself. And there shall be food for thee and for them. And listen to this, verse 22. Thus did Noah according to how much? All that God commanded him to do. Commanded him, so did he. You see, God saw something in Noah. Noah didn't stop and ask a whole bunch of questions. God said, go, here's what I want you to do. And Noah did it all. That ought to be an example. That ought to be a lesson for us. Because the lesson, when you start looking back, and when you start getting a little bit farther in the study, there's a reason why he said, do all. Something's coming. Something's going to happen. Something big's going to happen, brother. You're right. So when I read the end of the Bible and it says, uh, Jesus Christ is coming again, something big is going to happen. He told Noah it was going to happen. He told people in Sodom and Gomorrah it was going to happen. He told us it's going to happen. And it's going to happen. So what are we doing with that knowledge? What are we doing with that knowledge that we have? You know, most of us probably know that uh, know about Noah. We probably know about the flood. We probably know, you know, maybe what a cubic is, cubic is. But who knows that Noah was a preacher? Y'all know that Noah was a preacher? Never knew that? I'll tell you what. Turn your Bibles to 2 Peter 2.5 and I'll show you where that's at. 2 Peter, yes sir. Second Peter 2, verse 5, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world, and of the ungodly. Who's that? Noah? He did what God told him. But as a preacher of righteousness, and we'll get into that, as a preacher of righteousness... Now think about that title. Think about, think about all the preachers out there. Okay, how many hold that title? This man was a preacher of righteousness, and not a title given by you and me. Yeah. A title given by God. He was a preacher of righteousness. Now you think about being a preacher of righteousness and saved by God. You think that one could picture that he went around and told people of God, right? Oh, I think he probably did, brother. I think he probably went around door to door and said, 
There is a flood coming. You need to repent of your sins because God's going to destroy the world. And I can imagine the people there were laughing, and I can imagine they were scoffing. And you can think about this. You can think about this. Uh, this ark that he's building in the middle of nowhere. 300 cubic by 50 cubic by three stories wide. He's building in the middle of nowhere. And here's this crazy guy building this boat in the dirt, telling people that they need to repent or they're going to drown. Much like happens to us when we go to and say, Jesus is coming in the end. The end of the world is coming, whether we want to believe it or not. If you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're cast into the lake of fire. Much like today, I believe, Noah, being a preacher of righteousness, told people about God. And I believe they laughed, and I believe they scoffed, and I believe if they had hypothetical doors, they slammed him in his face and says, I don't need that nonsense. I believe that. I believe that. Can you just imagine? Can you imagine how discouraged he was when he's trying to tell people God said that he's going to come again. He's going to flood the world. Can you you imagine what people are looking at? They're laughing at him. They're scoffing at him. Much like our pastors today. Much like Christians today when we go and try to share the gospel with somebody. I don't need that. I read your Bible. I've had that happen. I read your Bible. But it's not my Bible. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Genesis 7, verse 1 says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house in the ark, for thee I have seen righteousness before me in this generation. So again, God is telling Noah about his righteousness. He's seeing Noah has walked with God. He's walked a certain way. His walk is different than the world's walk. Brother and sister, is our walk different than the world's walk? If I put on a new creature, have I left the old creature behind? Is my walk different than their walk? That's a question you got to ask yourself. Is your walk different than everybody else's? Why Noah? Why his family? Think about that day. Think about being on fire for God. Think about uh, who those that Noah told. Think about what's going through their mind. The silly preacher was building this ark in the middle of nowhere. Think about what they thought when the rains came. Think about what they thought when the floods came. And then think about that door. Did you hear me mention a door earlier? They shut it up. You're right. Genesis 7, 15 through 16 says, And they went into the ark, or to Noah, into the ark, two of all, two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life, And they went in, went in, male and female, of all flesh, as God had commanded them, and the Lord shut him in. The Lord shut the door. Your hypothetical door, okay? He shut them in. That ought to get your attention. The Lord shut them in. No one else was coming in. No one else was coming in, brother. It's not that they were trying to get out. Who wanted to get out, right? They weren't coming in. Now you think about what happened when the raids came. And it started getting ankle deep. And the people are going, hey, that Noah guy wasn't so crazy after all. And it started getting knee deep. And now they're over there probably pounding on that door. Noah! Noah, let us in! But who closed the door? God closed the door. The day's coming that God's going to close that door. He's telling us to go in the world and preach the gospel. Tell others that they can be saved and He's going to close that door. 
It could be someone sitting next to you. It could be a brother, sister, a child, your neighbor, your friends, your family. Have you told them? Have you told them that that door could be closed? Friends, I got something to be excited about. Jesus said he's coming again. I have a story to tell. You have a story to tell if you're a child of God. We have an obligation, a duty, a responsibility to work for the Lord and to preach His wonderful story. God saved my soul. I was headed behind the wrong side of that door. Not because of my works, because of His grace. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Twenty-four and verse thirty-six. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, being married, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. There shall be two in the field. One shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. One shall be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Look around. One will be taken. One will be left. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. There will be those who who, who expected to be there who aren't there. Look around. Where are we? Where's the children of God coming to worship Him? That's our responsibility. You know, some say, not me, Lord. Many say, I'm too tired. I'm too old. I don't know how. I'm too busy. You all know how old Noah was? 600 years old. You're not old. You're spring chicken. That ought to make you feel good. You're not old. Noah was 600 years old. It took him 100 years to build that ark. You're not old. We have a ministry to share. We have a gospel to tell. We have a God who's worthy for us to share His ministry. We have that responsibility. We have that blessing to tell somebody. Friends, if He comes today, are you ready? If today is your last day on earth, what's your story in front of Him going to be? What's your story in front of him going to be? Turn your Bibles to Psalms chapter 40. Psalms chapter 40. Think about that day. What's your story to him? Because we're all going to answer what we did with the life he gave us after he saved us. Psalms 40 verse 1 says, 
I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of this horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and He set my feet upon the rock and established my goings. And He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear, and they shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works. Did you hear that? Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to us word. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I could declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. He has done more things in our lives than can be numbered. How many of those things have we told somebody? We are definitely falling short, brother. Definitely falling short. If the Lord has saved you, what have you done? If the Lord has blessed you, who have you told? If the Lord has called you, where have you gone? He called me to preach and I argued. Well, I tell you what, it's not the right answer. <laughs> Friends, we still got work to do. We still got work to do. Thank you, sir. Amen. God's the glory, though, brother. Matthew chapter 7, verse 20 says, Wherefore, by the fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone, listen to this, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me that day, again, listen to this, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils? And in thy name done many works? And then I will press, profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This ought to break our hearts when you think about the people that we know. Our friends, our family, our co-workers, our loved ones, our children, our neighbors. About getting to heaven. You think about that day. If you're blessed enough that you've been saved. If you've accepted the grace of Jesus Christ and you've been saved and you get to heaven, think about that. Someone's going to be knocking on that door and say, Lord, let me in. That door is closed. Is it someone you know? Is it someone that you didn't tell? Are you going to be surprised about those who you thought were going to be in heaven who aren't there? I think we'll be surprised. Are you going to be surprised who you didn't think about who are there? You think about our missionaries going overseas and passing out tracts and spreading the gospel. Those are going to go to account because we're supporting them as a church and their ministry. But think about the people sitting next to you right now. I preached a message here. Uh, Lord willing, someday you might hear it. About being cast in the lake of fire. And if your name's not written in the book of life. And I got a question for you. Don't don't need to raise your hands. This is a question you can answer to yourself. Are you saved? If you are saved, how do you know? Because many people will say, "Oh yeah, I'm good." Right? I'm good. I'm saved. How do you know? There are people stepping out of the ministry all day long. There are pastors stepping out behind the pulpit saying, "Man, I I stopped believing that stuff." You heard me say this morning that I used to be was more than likely I never was. I used to be a Christian. You can't used to be a Christian. You either were or you weren't. There's not a gray area. There's not a gray area. You were either saved, saved by grace, sealed until eternity, or you weren't. 
Those who believe that you can walk away, look, my daughter can walk away. She will always be my child. Amen. She will always be. If you're a child of God, you will always be a child of God. You may get chastised, like we talked about this morning in Sunday school. Yeah. You may get chastised. We may have to answer for some things, but we'll always be a child of God. So we have a story to tell. Are you going to be surprised? Is the Lord going to say, well done, my faithful, my faithful servant, or will He say, depart from me? I never knew you. That's a question that we should be asking deep in the pits of our souls. What's God going to say? Have I looked in the mirror and thought about that question? How am I going to answer that question? What's God going to say when I get there? Is He going to open up the books? Is my name going to be written there? And He's going to say, well done, or I never knew you. We might all have a lot to take care of. Are we actively pursuing Him daily? Are we pursuing others? Are we sowing our seed? Are our hearts on fire? Do we have that burden for lost souls? I say look around. If we got a burden for lost souls, where are they? Where are they? Again, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody without seeing three or four pointed back at myself. Where are they? If we have a burden for lost souls, who have we told? Where are they at? Who have we invited? Who do we give a track to? Who have we told that they're jeopardizing their eternity by not choosing? Yes? Are we on fire? Friends, maybe you're here saved today and you've been discouraged in the past. You haven't been the person that God's called you to be. Maybe you haven't given yourself fully to God. Or maybe you're just holding back. Get that right. Get that right. Don't leave here today without getting that right. Chances, chances are getting closer every minute. Chances are getting closer every day. We don't know when He's coming, but we know He is. Psalms 3.3 says, But Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. He is a lifter up of my head, if you will put your trust in Him. Maybe you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I trust and I hope you are. But if you haven't, don't leave here today the chance. Don't leave today the chance. Get here knowing that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth. He is the only way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father but by Him. You can't work it. You can't earn it. We don't deserve it. That's why the cross is there, brother. Maybe you're here today and you don't know. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Friends, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't leave here today without knowing that. He's merciful. If you're here today and you know Jesus Christ, don't leave somebody else's chance. Tell them there is a way for them. I don't know if you guys have a moment of invitation. If you want one, we can have one. We'll have a moment of invitation then. If you got something that you're dealing with, something that you want to pray about, something that you need to get right, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to talk to somebody, come on up. I'd love nothing more than to share the gospel with you. If you want to sit in your chair and pray about the conditions that's going on in your lives, on your church, or your needs, or your prayer list, we'll have that moment. Thanks for letting me be here. I appreciate it.